This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Biggest kick of the year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Snap good, hold good, and Raiders in, Chargers out, Steelers in. This thing could have ended in a tie. Chargers call a timeout. How did that shift the strategy? Yeah, it definitely did, obviously. Uh, but we, we we knew no matter what, we didn't want to tie. We wanted to win the football game. Obviously, if you tie, you're in, and all, I think all those things. But my mindset all day I even was texting with Aaron Rodgers this morning. Yeah, my mindset was to make sure that we were the only team moving on after this. Yeah, I was talking to Mr. Davis uh, in the locker room, and uh, one of the things we were talking about was like, I don't think any team has been through what we've been through in 10 years, let alone one year, you know. And, um, you know, you, so there's so much emotion uh, <laughs> with, uh, you know, pick a, pick a story, you know. Um, you know, there's so much emotion with with everything that we've done, and you know, my brother said it best. He said this team was forged in the fire, and I kind of like that. You know, uh, we went through some stuff, some refining, um, you know, some uh, some hard times, um, but we <clears throat> we locked the doors every day on Monday, and the people that were inside that building didn't stop believing, and it's it showed today. Uh, we made it to the playoffs. It's awesome. Um, it's probably it's probably the coolest accomplishment I think I've ever had in my life, um, football-wise, to to see where we were at, everything we went through, and to still make it. No record, no thing. This was the coolest thing to see this team come together and be able to still decide that this is what we wanted to do, and um, it, it's it's a cool feeling. That's for sure. I'd never <laughs> been rooting for a time more in my life, yeah. um, and you know that's the unfortunate part of of being so close and. Um, you know, they beat us today, and we, we didn't execute as well as we could have. And, um, you know, that's a tough part. But uh, it's all about how we, we respond to this and going to have a, an important offseason for us and um, have to bounce back. At the end of the game, you know all the playoff machinations right. if you tie. Was there any consideration to just running down the clock there and not even attempting a field goal? To yeah, it was it was conversation. We were talking about, you know, I don't know if you know, we ran the ball there, and they didn't call a timeout. So I think they were probably thinking the same thing, you know. And then, then we had the big run. Through there, and when we got the big run and got us, we thought was field advantageous field goal position for us. We were going to take the field goal and try to win it. But we certainly talking about it on the sideline. We want to see if they were going to call a timeout or not on that run. They didn't, so we thought they were thinking the same thing. And then we popped the run in there and gave us a chance to kick the field goal to win it. So we're certainly talking about it. Brandon, you took a timeout there with 38 seconds left before the third and fourth. Why, why did you take a timeout there? Yeah, we needed to get in the right grouping. We felt like they were going to run the ball, so we wanted to get our best 11 personnel run defense in, um, make that substitution so that we could, you know, get a play where we would deepen the field goal. Derek Carr said after the game that that timeout changed 
their mentality? Do you think that had any reason to do with them? I don't think it changed their mindset because they were going to run the ball on the play before, and then they ran the ball the very next play. So we wanted to make sure that we got our run defense in there, um, and we, you know, we obviously didn't execute well enough, but we wanted to get our premium one-back run defense in here, and that's what we did. Was, there, was any part of the motivation for you saving time to potentially win it if they were to miss that field goal? My mindset was to make the field goal as long as possible. Let's attempt to unpack everything we saw on uh, yeah. Sunday Night Football yeah. last night. Let's try. I think we were Let's we try. were all Justin Herbert as the clock wound down at the end of overtime and rooting for a tie. Said no one ever until last night. Um, I, for one, Michael, do not believe that Brandon Staley blew it by calling a timeout with 38 seconds left. Do you blame Brandon Staley? Because I don't. Okay. Well, you're saying blame Brandon Staley, but you assume that I wanted a tie. I didn't want a tie. I, I wanted, I wanted, I didn't want this, this disaster scenario. I didn't want this. Hey, it's good business well, for me. It's, it's not good about, business for okay. you. It's, Let's it's, go it's in not together. about you. Well, it's not about you. Okay. The well, debate well, you're today about blame is that no, no. The debate today I didn't want, is I didn't, that I wanted the Raiders to win. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what you wanted. What could have happened is a tie would have put them both in, and the right. way it looked last night, the way it played out, is that had Brandon Staley not called timeout, as you just heard Rich Basaccia say, the Raiders were talking about whether or not to not kick a long field goal, which could have been blocked, which could have been returned for a touchdown, and right. knocked them discussed. out. But once, yeah, right. it was discussed. Which clearly, I think the takeaway from last night is not everybody got the memo because Derek Carr could say, "Hey, we always want to play for the win." All want he wants. Win. Rich Basaccia, the way they were approaching that last possession as clock time was winding down, didn't seem that aggressive when it came to trying to trying to get in position for a field goal until Brandon Staley called timeout. Now, the reason I don't blame Brandon Staley for calling timeout is because he's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent where he can not only knows what the Raiders are going to do, but can control what the Raiders are going to do in those final seconds to say, you know what? Clearly, they're playing for a tie. If anything, when he called timeout, maybe he gives uh, Rich Passacci that universal nod like, hey, man, what are we doing here? Like, you know, like something. So get on the same page with him because once he called timeout, the Raiders approached it differently according to their head coach, who I believe. Now, the real issue is this. The real issue is that, I that Josh I hate, Jacobs. I hate, this. I hate this. The real issue is that Josh Jacobs ripped off a 10-yard run. So whatever was discussed in that timeout, the issue that has haunted the, the Chargers all year, or one of the issues that has haunted the Chargers all year, is their porous run defense. And giving up a 10-yard run is what's inexcusable in that moment, not calling timeout. Right, right. Or if anything, taking Kenneth Murray off the field was the issue, not calling the timeout. Once they call timeout, once Josh Jacobs got a 10-yard run, the rest is history. But Brandon Staley was trying to play defense in that moment and make sure it was as long right. a field goal as possible, which is the right thing right. to do. He had no right. idea of knowing whether the Raiders were on the fence about a tie. Yeah, and, and look, and, and I'm glad he had no idea about it. And this tells me that there was no pregame conversation or conversation during the week about, hey, what we talked with Austin Eckler about joking, not joking. 
you know you guys can kneel on the ball the entire game is 0-0 and you both get into the playoffs. There was no conversation about that. If there had been a conversation about it, maybe Brandon Staley is operating in a different way. But this was a fair contest. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know a lot of people. I hear a lot of people. You know, there's Jeff Howe there saying he cost the Chargers their season. There's Bucky Brooks saying it's coaching malpractice that you didn't play for a tie. I mean, think about that. You think it's malpractice that somebody didn't want to tie a game that they were trying to prevent what they thought might be a victory. And that's what they were. They're going for a victory. After the fact, he says we discussed a tie, but you're on the field. You don't know what your opponent is trying to do. So you're trying to play the game the right way. I never wanted this to be a tie. I was so disappointed that it got no. to this point. I was the fun part I was, was the kneel you. down. That was the fun part during the week yes. was the kneel down. But once it got to, yeah. you know, wait a minute, could they have actually could we have the best of both worlds? Could they have actually played the game the right way, protected the integrity of the game and ended up with a tie? I mean, that's why Justin Herbert said I never wanted to tie so bad. It would have been all awesome. well, I'm yeah. not saying you're saying this. I'm talking about the, yeah. the stuff that we have on the screen. The, the 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 comment from Jeff Howe and the comment from Bucky Brooks. That's not playing the game the right way. That's like, hey, well, let it happen because it's good for you and it's good for me. By the way, I'm well, telling because, you because there's four seconds because there's four seconds left on the play clock. The way the Raiders were approaching it is at that point, even though you can't read Rich Passaccia's mind, if you're the Chargers, it's no different than letting somebody score. You know, there are situations at the end of the game where you let somebody score. That's against your instincts. Right. But in order to preserve time, you let them score. So in that instance, I understand. So you the can criticism. Win. Right. So I, can but tie. in this case, <laughs> but in this case, you do play to tie the game. If a tie means you're getting into the playoffs along with the other team. So I do understand on the surface, the criticism of Brandon Staley, because the tie seemed to alter the outcome. Excuse me. The timeout seemed to alter the outcome of the game. What's the bigger problem is giving up a 10 yard run after the timeout. But Michael, in right. my mind, it should have never come come down to this. Where Bl Brandon Staley blew it was not in overtime. Brandon Staley blew it at the end of regulation. There was a theme that you and I kept coming back to at the end of the season, seemingly in back to back weeks, I believe, courtesy mm -hmm. of J John Harbaugh's Baltimore Ravens. And that's going right. for two at the end of the game instead of playing for overtime. Michael, at the end of a 19-play drive on which you converted, I believe, three fourth down attempts, if, if my memory serves. Go for two to win the game right there. That's what if Brandon Staley, Mr. Going for it on fourth down from inside his own 20-yard line, I was shocked that Brandon Staley did not try to end it at the end of regulation rather than going to overtime. That's that you got a you got an exhausted team on both sides. The Raiders defense is on its heels. You've come back from 15 points down. And you just went on a 19 play drive. That is the John Harbaugh would have gone for two. Guarantee you John Harbaugh would have gone for two. At yeah, the end Harbaugh of regulation. And we're not having this conversation. He probably would have. He probably would have gone for that's two. That's what I would have done. That's, I was shocked Staley that's did. That's probably you know, it's probably you come face to face with your philosophy. Now you really have to declare who you are. And so yeah. he seems to be this this guy. And you know, when he went for it on, on fourth and one from his own 18 down three. Uh, okay, just process in the third quarter. Okay, midway through the third quarter is 17 14. They're trailing. He's at his own 18 yard line. 
and he goes for it on fourth and one. Okay, so if you're yeah. gonna be that guy, you're which be that is guy, crazy. See? I mean, that, by, by the way, that's crazy. That's crazy. That is crazy. So all these people talking about, oh, he cost them their season. He may have cost them their season like eight, nine times during the game, but we just always go back to the last thing we saw and say, hey, if not for that, the Chargers would have won. Well, the Chargers might have won if they had, I don't know, punted on fourth and one from their own 18 in the third quarter. And and not, so there not, are many situations. Three points. Yeah. Yeah, in that game. And, I, and, and, and uh, quiet as it's kept, Mike, we're all praising the Raiders today. I think Rich Passaccia made a mistake when you're chasing points. I say, just for me, I just now I didn't get to some analytics. Oh. It's just, it's just, when it's 26 14. 26 14. Yeah, going for two. Kicks the extra point. Yeah. Why are, you, why, yeah. why are you going for two? I want to make it 28-14. Yeah. Why? It's 26. Right. As if, as if, they, you as if they can't go for two. <laughs> like, no, that, that's right. such an old doing? school way of doing it because making it a 14-point game is the days when everybody just kicked extra points and needed two touchdowns right. and two extra points. Point. And when an extra point was automatic. Nowadays, people going for two, 14 points don't mean what it used to, what it used to mean. But honestly, the Raiders, though, for me, Michael, they're the story. I know... Listen, it's like what Brandon Staley could could have done. Could it have been a tie? Should we have been rooting for a tie? And honestly, I would have liked to have seen the reaction had it ended at a tie and both teams met at midfield. And instead of the usual dejection after a tie, they're feeling good about themselves and congratulating each other on a job well done. That would have been a sight to see. But honestly, Michael, all I got to say, and I'll close with this on this subject. Four weeks ago, um, we talked about the, the Las Vegas Raiders. And yeah. I'm pretty sure I didn't say anything nice about them. This was I, after I this, this was after they met at the logo in Kansas City and proceeded to get curve stomped 48 to nine. Yeah. I think the score was and since then four games left against four teams fighting for the playoffs themselves. They beat the Browns by two the Broncos by four the Colts by three and the Chargers obviously on a field goal last night. They've won four overtime games this year. Okay. Uh, it was their, It was the sixth time this season that they have won on a field goal on, on, on the last play. I beg your pardon. Six times they won on the last play five on a field goal. An interim coach is taking the Las Vegas Raiders into the playoffs. Everybody's Amazing. got a story to tell. There's 8 million stories in the NFL postseason. All 14 of those teams have overcome something at one point or another. But the bottom line is the Raiders for my money and I know you and I are both storytellers by nature by trade yeah. by calling best story of the postseason given everything they had to traverse and everything that they had to overcome in order to get to this point because four weeks ago when Kansas City was embarrassing them couldn't have told me this was going to be the end of their story, their story in the Listen, end of their regular season. Mike, 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 they've been a story. You said the regular season. They've been a story since the offseason. Was it July when we saw uh, quarterback of the show Derek Carr out at Lake Tahoe and he said hey I just know I wasn't the MF that Tom Brady was talking about that's one yeah. two they have a, a first openly gay player uh, in the NFL star play, really good player and Carl Nassib he comes out Derek Carr says hey he's my brother I'm happy for him so you have these stories you have the, you know that, that's just for the off season that's in the off season then during the season obviously John Gruden his situation. They cut uh, a draft pick. I'm not talking about rugs. They cut a draft pick. People said, hey, you probably shouldn't draft this guy from Ohio Damon State. Arnett. Yeah. Damon Arnett cut him. So yeah. then 
we get into rugs. And that situation, I mean, they, they, they've had so many things happen to them off the field. Then on the field, they've been very interesting because they got off to a, a strong start and then they seemed to, uh, to stumble a bit. They had their off the field drama. And here they are, as you pointed out, at six and seven. And nobody's really thinking about the Raiders as a real playoff team. You know, they're on that list, others in contention in, in the hunt. And you just kind of dismiss yeah. them. You know, oh, the Raiders, the Raiders yeah. aren't about it. But they, right, they were Raiders. and they were and they are. I think I think the Rich Passaccia should be an, a strong uh, should be a strong coach of the year contender. Very strong. Right up there with my guy, Mike Vrabel. He's in the conversation for me. Yeah, yeah. All right, listen, he's also made a case to keep the job beyond interim status, which we'll talk about yes. that later on. Now I'm conflicted because I love this story. And because it didn't end in a tie. They get my Bengals on Saturday instead of the Chiefs on Sunday. So now I'm, I want to root for the Raiders, but not at the expense of my Bengals. <laughs> Mike, oh, hey Mike, man, I'm worried. Which is probably part of their motivation to win the game. Like everybody said, oh, tie is good for everybody. No, it ain't good for the Raiders because if the Raiders had tied, the Raiders would have been the seventh seed. They would have had to go to Kansas City. Maybe that's what they discussed during that timeout. If you can win it. If right. you can win it, the you're chart. six. Yeah, yeah. And you deal with Cincinnati, yeah. or you went. You, you uh, they are the six, right? Or the five? You did, yeah, you deal with Cincinnati at the three. They're the five. Yeah. They're the five. No, they. No, they're they're six. The you got it right. Because four and five is are New they? England. No, whatever. Well, we'll look at the bracket later. I don't know. Now you're confusing me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm confusing myself. I've confused myself. Yeah. Buffalo and New England play each other. I know that much. at this over three years now and watching the organization grow and I think an organization can only function if it's collaborative and it has and it works well together and I don't think that we were really working well as an organization that it would take to really win consistently at the NFL level. Your thoughts on Jim Harbaugh and <laughs> do you have a coach in mind um, as you made this move, I have no coach in mind at this point. We're going to, you know, do a thorough, uh, you know, review and interview process. Uh, and that uh, Jim Harbaugh, I love Jim Harbaugh. Uh, had the opportunity once before to come to to the uh, Miami Dolphins, uh, but uh, he's at the University of Michigan, as everybody really knows. And I guess that's really one of my really. Uh, that is my school I graduated from, and I'm very involved in it. And I'm not going to be the person that takes Jim Harbaugh from the University of Michigan. I hope he stays there. He is a great coach. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Michael, wasn't that long ago we were talking about Brian Flores as a potential Coach of the Year candidate? Yep. And they made history 
After having a seven game losing streak, the Dolphins won seven in a row, ended up winning eight of nine to win the season, sweeping the New England Patriots and finishing nine and eight. Uh, second straight season, the Dolphins have had a winning record uh, 19 and 15 over the past two seasons with instability uh, at worst and poor play at best at the quarterback position. Michael, make it make sense for me. What's going on in my I, I can't. I can't, I can't, I can't make it make sense. Uh, when I said, uh, when I heard that there was Stephen Ross sound for an old school linear TV parlance, that's called socks sound on tape, even though it's not necessarily tape. But when I heard there was socked of Stephen Ross explaining his decision to fire Brian Flores, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. You know what? He didn't explain it. What's the explanation? What did he say that made sense? Uh, organizations, a lot of generic statements that for a, a wise man who, who's got a business degree, sounds like something that I can just go down to the grocery store and I can just flip through some pages, get some general principles, or I can just Google, hey, what do business people say? Let's be collaborative, let's work together, organizational dynamics, just a word salad that really takes you nowhere. Bottom line is, Brian Flores has turned this organization into a competitive one. When he took it over, it was not competitive. In the last couple of years, he's got this team playing competitive football, not championship football, but competitive. But before he got there, they were not even at that level. Now, if you want to say, hey, why did they why did they take Tua Tungavailoa and not Justin Herbert? And that's a fair question. Then you should be asking the guy who's staying. Chris Greer is still the general manager. So unless Brian Flores made Chris Greer take Tungavailoa and not Herbert, and therefore Greer is staying and Flores has to go, maybe that makes a little bit of sense, but I'm just not sure why after three seasons, three seasons where you've gotten better. They had a, a, a slight step back this year. They were 10 and six last year. This year they were nine and eight. Brian Flores is four and two against his mentor, one of his mentors, Bill Belichick. Got the organization. You know, celebrate, you know who's celebrating today? The New the England Patriots. Patriots. It's a great. The, the Patriots, Patriots. They really, might have lost to the Dolphins yesterday, but the Patriots won today. <laughs> the Patriots struggle. The Patriots really struggle in Miami. Do you know the Patriots record in Miami since Belichick has gotten there now, because of his record uh, against Flores, now is under 500. Yeah. Since 2000, no, Flores has had the Patriots. Number. Flores is The Patriots are under. <laughs> are under 500 in Miami. So I really don't understand, but this is what I do know. And I'm watching. I'm watching the Dolphins because they really uh, patted themselves on the back and they had uh, the media pat them on the back when they brought in Greer and they brought in Flores and I believe their director of uh, college scouting, if I'm not mistaken, I could be, I believe their director of college scouting is or was uh, a, a person of color. So maybe they've made a switch since uh, since then, but they had their top decision makers GM director of college scouting head coach all people of color and they really were proud of themselves. But if you're going to do that, if you're going to make that commitment. It's got to be a commitment. It can't be a press conference. It can't be a headline. It can't be something you do right now 
And then when you run into a little bit of adversity or you don't, you don't really like where it's going, you know, it's not going there fast enough. You can't bail or you shouldn't. You can. He did it, but you shouldn't bail after three years and get credit for that. You don't get any credit for bringing okay. somebody in and then bouncing before well, since that you brought, dream is fully realized. So since you invited it in, let's discuss the elephant in the room. This does yeah. feel very uh, Jim Caldwellian uh, mm -hmm. as it relates to, oh, we can do better. Even though this guy has taken our organization from a laughing stock to credible. And here's another example of the black coach getting the short end of the stick. Here's another example mm -hmm. of the black coach having, uh, you know, taking uh, the, the worst jobs, getting the least amount of time to turn that situation around and having a very, very difficult time reemerging elsewhere, getting a second chance, not being set up to succeed to begin with, and then not being allowed to fail. The, the list is long of black coaches who've had uh, proverbial short leashes or, 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 or very little runway, if you will. And now, as of today, the league is down to two black coaches, and that's with David Cully. Yeah. There have been a lot of speculation that he could be one and done in Houston. So the, optic like, what, of, the optics of yeah, this are crazy. not good, except for the fact that Chris Greer is black. And so apparently the issue here was tension and conflict between Chris Greer and Brian Flores. So again, as we're fond of saying, more than one thing can be true at the same time. You could right. have a, an owner who is consciously or subconsciously predisposed to not giving a black coach the same right. amount of leeway or the grace period or whatever you want to call it that he would a white coach. That's possible because it really is a sad day in, in the NFL when Joe Judge is still employed and Brian Flores is not okay. Yeah, and I know they're two different organizations, but just optically it looks bad. However, however, okay. It could also be exactly what Stephen Ross is saying, whereas their relationship was dysfunctional and there's another level for this organization to go. So he better have had Steve Kerr ready to go and be the Steve Kerr to Brian Flores's Mark Jackson. That better be who you have. So that brings me back to my reaction to this thing when it just happened. Why this just may be simple incompetence, Michael. This may have nothing. I mean, yeah. it may be another example of a black coach getting a raw deal, but it also just may be good old fashioned Miami Dolphins incompetence and why they're the Paula Abdul. Okay, cool. I think you're right. They're the Paula Abdul of the NFL. Young folks are like, who is Paula Abdul? Two steps forward and two steps back is what the Miami Dolphins continue to do and why they continue to spin their wheels. Why, why, why they're never going to be any more than an average at best organization. This is what average to bad organizations do. Is that the first sign of progress, you decide, and eh, this ain't good enough. Let's start this process over again. Okay? So, when I first saw it, I assumed like many, oh, we must have Harbaugh ready to go. And that huh. I could at least be okay with. Because Harbaugh has been quite successful at the NFL level before he went to Michigan. There's the obvious ties between Stephen Ross and Jim Harbaugh. And we know that he has an affection for Jim Harbaugh. So if he'd have fired Brian Flores after another yeah. non-playoff season, which is three non-playoff seasons, even though he was rebuilding, but three non-playoff seasons for Jim Harbaugh, I'd have had an issue with it, but I'd have understood. 
for him you to what, not bro? have a for him. Hold on for him to not have a coach ready makes yeah. this even dumber. Makes this he even says dumber. He, have and one the, one. he says he doesn't. He, have he one says one. he says he says well, thank you because he can't say he says he, he can't say he can't you're right. He can't say that you're 100% right because there's the Rooney. There's the Rooney rule charade. He has to go through. You're right. Absolutely right. Right. There's Rooney Rule straight he's got to go through. So maybe Jim Harbaugh does end up being the coach the same way Nick Saban once upon a time was not going to be the Alabama coach. So you're 100% right. right on that. Thank you for that uh, that addendum. Last thing I'll say is this. He said, I'm not going to be the one to take Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan. Or is your allegiance more to Michigan or Miami? Would you rather Jim Harbaugh go to the Raiders? Would you rather Jim Harbaugh go back to the Bears? Somebody <laughs> might take Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan, unless this was all a ploy right. or a plot to get Jim Harbaugh a new contract at Michigan, and he was never interested in the NFL. But why should right. you not be the person to take it from Michigan? Your responsibility, your obligation is to get the best coach for the Dolphins. So to fire a Brian Flores with, you're right, in theory, to not have a coach in place, it was working well enough for them to be over 500 the last two years. Tell these two dudes to get in the room and figure it out. It's ridiculous. All right, Mike. I, I remember we, we had this conversation before, a different context. So I remember talking to you about this a couple of months ago. And 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 since you don't remember anything, uh, I know you don't remember the conversation. But anyway, uh, uh, just just follow along, follow along. Maybe some things will be familiar. So you were just talking about organizations and how. Um, some organizations don't don't really want to change. And if, if somebody comes in, if somebody comes in and they've got a vision and they've got a strong personality and they don't always say things that uh, will make you feel like you're on a, a, a bed of roses, uh, you know, so that, that rubs some people the wrong way. Some people can't handle that tough talk, mm -hmm. that truth mm -hmm. is it, truthful. But it's just a little too tough for them. And I say that because Brian Flores is that guy. Brian Flores is a football player, played football at Boston College, a D1 football right. player, guy from New York City. So he, he, New York, played football, worked for the Patriots, no excuses. He worked in the front right. office, he worked on the coaching staff. He is just that dude. And people told me, that when he was in New England at times, hey, if you're not doing the assignment the way he wants you to, sometimes, you yeah. know, he, he, might wanna, know. he might want to, he might want, he might want to let you know kind of guy. with them hands. That's my, oh, okay. Hey, well, you well, might, you know. might see some hands. <laughs> you might see some hands. <laughs> right. hey, my kind like, of guy, he would chat. He will challenge like, nobody you. worry about your feelings. We're trying to get this thing right. A, that's that, that. Yes. Results are really guy. smart, really tough really aggressive leader. That's who he is. Okay, mm -hmm. so think about that. That's Brian Flores. And, and, and look, I, I hate to do this, but I just, I just got to call it like I see it. Chris Greer has been with the Dolphins 20 years, for 15 years. Oh, 15. I thought, well, he's I thought been like 2000. Well, well, he's been well, probably has been there, but he has been in a position of authority. At least. Okay, yeah. I'll put it that way. Yeah, he was You're director of right college. He, he took over director of college scouting in 2007. So he's had an authority, a role of authority with the Dolphins for 15 years. Yeah. Bruh. A common denominator there. There's a common denominator there. 
Come on. Come on. So you got a guy. You got somebody who has kind of settled into a role with the company been there for a long right. time. Checks don't bounce. Life is good. And then you got somebody who comes in and says, oh, hell no. Right. This we, is right. this is how I want to We're see doing it this done. a different way. Right. Get but if you but if you got but if one guy if, if the coach is getting the players to respond to him while you believe and this is what Raw said that Chris Greer has put him in a good position draft capital and cap wise then you don't you, you don't blow this up after back-to-back winning seasons, which is rare in South Florida. You say hey guys, Unless. we got to figure out how to way to get on on a better page here because while, while Brian Flores he hasn't always done everything right along the way. You can't argue right. with the results, and it seemed like they were in going in the right direction. But I'll tell you this much. Here's my prediction. I know we got to go to break pretty soon, but here's my prediction. All right. Brian Flores in, is, is unemployed right now in large part because the organization forced the selection of Tua Tagovailoa, famously ahead of Justin Herbert. Now, Tua right. has shown improvement along the way. But that offense has not been able to get out of its own way for two years. Last year, when they pulled the plug off Fitzpatrick early and went through the struggles of Tua down the stretch, okay, and then this year, okay, when Tua missed time with injury, okay, and was still figuring it out, and yet they ended up winning a winning season, making a historic turnaround. Here's what's going to end up happening: Brian Flores and Deshaun Watson, they'll team up somewhere in Denver. They'll team up. They'll be mm. somewhere in Denver because for all the Denver. Dolphins were in the mix for. Or I'm, I'm thinking Denver, maybe New York. Who knows? But Brian, okay. I, I see a package. I see a package deal is what I'm getting at. You mean because when Joe Judge goes? The, hopefully, the, uh, even though reportedly he's staying. The Dolphins were very much in the mix, and and Deshaun Watson's primary destination out of Houston because of Brian Flores. So now. Who knows what happens on the quarterback front with the Miami Dolphins? They may have to just love the one they're with and not get the quarterback that they coveted, if not for his well-documented off-the-field uh, allegations and issues. So it's by, I, I see a package I, yeah. deal somewhere else between Flores and Deshaun Watson. That's just my prediction. But I think of, of I, fallout from Flores. I think off the top, off the top, you mentioned the elephant in the room, and uh, yeah, it's it's a giant elephant. I, I would say going forward, if I'm Flores, now the scenario that you mentioned, I'd be on board with that. But I think very long and very carefully about taking a coordinator's job because this is the path that you go down. You take that bad job, right. you make it a decent job, they move on from you. Now you're stuck. Now you're back in, in that, that coordinator. coordinator. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, you know I, what I would, else? I would think. The, I just he's count, I count Stephen Ross's money. He's supposedly going to be a hot candidate, which he should be. Hopefully, he's not just somebody somebody's Rooney Rule token. Not saying he is one, but I'm saying that hopefully somebody right. doesn't just use Brian Flores to check that interview box when they got somebody else in mind. Where Brian Flores obviously should be at the top of anybody's credible candidate list. But yeah, man, it's the same, it's the same. The same Dolphins stuff, didn't do that. Toilet. Same stuff, different. The Dolphins toilet. didn't. The Dolphins didn't do that because they hired him, but they didn't. They didn't fully complete the play. They did about Bro, 75%. They didn't fully complete it. We don't we don't we don't get to fail. We don't get to struggle. We don't get to be average. We got we got to come out like gangbusters right out the gate. We just it's just two two black head coaches. This hiring cycle about to be something else.
anything about your job status and what are your thoughts just on the rumors? No, I haven't heard anything about my job status. I haven't heard anything about yours either. Do you think there was a chance this could have been your last game as a Vikings coach? Not my choice, not my decision. Mike, what are you um, most proud of when you look back at the eight years that you've been here? Let's, let's not go there today. We want to talk about it tomorrow. Let's talk about it tomorrow. But this isn't time to uh, re, re, you know, collect for eight years. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And tomorrow, as in today, brought an end to the Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman era as coach and GM, respectively in Minnesota um, it's that time of year and the news came fast and furious this morning joining Jacksonville and technically Las Vegas they have an interim coach and then Denver uh, over the weekend we saw both uh, Minnesota and Chicago clean house and Charles Robinson we know you've been working the phones all day before we get to the people who were dismissed specifically uh, Brian Flores uh, which is probably the most shocking development of the day. Shocking to some, you probably, I'm sure, uh, had an inkling that it might be coming. Uh, I want to talk about who might be next. Um, Joe Judge, it's a shocker that he's still employed as we speak and seems to be safe in, in New York with his QB sneaking from inside the 10-yard line ass. Uh, <laughs> David Cully uh, reportedly could be one and done. We'll see where that goes in Houston. Uh, Pete Carroll has a big buyout. Both he and John Schneider have a big buyout uh, in Seattle, but there's a lot of you know winds of change seems to be blowing in, in uh, the Pacific Northwest. And then Matt Rule reportedly has to fire or hire, excuse me, a superstar offensive coordinator as he goes into 2022. I set all that up to ask you quite simply: uh, Is there another surprise uh, on the horizon when it comes to the coaching carousel? I don't expect that there's. Um another surprise. I mean, not, you know, you mentioned the group that's still, you know, safe-ish. Uh, Cully, I had a, you know, I had a conversation with someone in the Houston organization a couple of days ago prior to this weekend's game. And, you know, he said, uh, he said, I don't know. It feels pretty good in the org with him right now. And he didn't want to guarantee that, that David would have a job, um, you know, after the season finale. And, and I definitely got the sense that it, it's going to depend on whether or not there's just another coach out there, an opportunity for them to go and hire someone that they absolutely can't pass up. And Josh McDaniels, they might do that. I, you know, I don't know if it's, if it's Josh McDaniels, I don't know if I, you know, I don't think it would be Gerard Mayo, but that's another guy from inside that organization that, you know, you guys asked me, it was interesting. You asked me last week if there was sort of a um, dark horse candidate out there, maybe someone that a lot of people weren't talking about. And after we talked and I had some additional phone calls, Mayo's name came up a couple of times and to the point where I actually ended up mentioning it on our podcast. Um, and pod you kind of get the this, game. You pod to win Download the game. Download it, subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Rated. you know, that was a guy, Five that was a guy who came up. It was interesting. I don't know Mayo. Like I, I've had limited interactions with him and it goes back to when he's a player. So it's been a really long time. Um, but 
you definitely get the feel that this is more when you talk about the Belichick tree, this is more under like sort of the Vrabel mold. Like we're going to bring in a player that can inspire lead. Um, so obviously some of the things we we're hearing about Brian Flores before he got the Miami job, um, but he is definitely a name that that is now I'm seeing like, okay, there, there's actual requests going in. Yeah. Um, Mayo's so interviewing in Denver, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Den Denver's already requested. Him. I think he's going to get more than, than one. Um, uh, you know, Joe Judge has already, he's met with the team and the staff. So at this point, if you were to fire Judge after allowing him to meet with the team and the staff, I don't know what's changed after we saw the, the you know, the knee, what is a kneel down by there was a kneel down at the four yard line. The only reason they didn't kneel down was because they didn't want people saying kneel down. So they did a quarterback sneak, but one of the worst, I mean, one of the worst things I think I've ever seen a coach do in terms of just yeah. giving up on trusting his team at all. Um, yeah. Yeah, but other than that, I don't, you know, the Pete Carroll one is interesting to me because um, I actually had a couple of league guys call me asking for numbers to individuals adjacent to Pete Carroll. And I was like, is Pete out? <laughs> you know, I'm like, is there, is there some reason? Are you like setting up an interview with Pete or is this a trade setup or something like that? Um, and I was told no, but it's always interesting when someone who's, employed and not necessarily on the hot seat, you start to get other individuals in the league who are asking who represents them. Um, <laughs> like who I'm needing some numbers close to Pete Carroll, but um, you know, I, I think they're still going to try to put things back together in Seattle. They're going to give it, you know, a, a month to at least before free agency to really look at it. Um, so, I mean, I think that's pretty much it flow. I, I feel like flow was the big surprise. Now, if Jim Harbaugh is serious about leaving Michigan, um, I would expect that he doesn't just trounce on, on a job immediately, whether it's, you know, uh, Mark Davis looking to bring him back into the fold with the Raiders or whether it's, um, you know, Stephen Ross saying, Hey, okay, I know I said I wasn't going to take him away from Michigan, but if he's leaving, um, let's have that conversation. <laughs> I think Harbaugh before Harbaugh went anywhere. I think Harbaugh would say, okay, let's let it know. It's, and I think they've already kind of done that. Like he's listening. So get your, you know, Get your pitch in at this point for Jim Harbaugh if you're really interested. So uh, a couple of things, a couple of quick things. I do know Gerard Mayo, and I'm telling you, it's not just Mike Vrabel. Mayo is going to have that Mike Tomlin effect on some organization where they're going to bring him in, and they're going to think, hey, this is a good young guy to know, and he is going to blow them away. He is one of the best leaders I've ever been around. I've seen him just command a room as a player, as a broadcaster, he was my co-host at one point, as a broadcaster and as a coach. So keep that in mind. He, go, he goes for an interview, he's going to come away with a job. Somebody's not going to well, let him leave their facility. And I actually, Shalise Monza Young was on with me on the podcast on Wednesday. Um, she, she guested with me and I brought him up and she said, well, okay, let me tell you about Gerard Mayo. Like this is, a, this is somebody that I actually covered on the beat. And mm -hmm. I think the takeaway for me was like, this is a grown ass man. Like he's, he's a serious oh, yeah. person, but he is a leader. He's got a family. Yeah. Like it's not, he is coming there to be, like you said, almost Tomlin-esque. Like I'm coming in here. We're going to establish a culture. This is going to be about winning. I'm going to be serious. You're not going to have me out doing this or doing that. It's going to be about football 100% of the time. And, and that's, I'm frankly, like that's one of the underrated great things about Tomlin is I almost, you hear almost nothing about Mike Tomlin other than the job he's doing, the culture he's building and everything that he's pouring into Pittsburgh, as long as Mike Tomlin's done that. Uh, now, Charles, I know we, we both want to ask you about Brian Flores, but before we get to that point, I just want to 
Look, uh, I think Mike uh, Mike Smith said to you that, of course, you're at the cookout. He don't know if he can have you on the grill, but you're at the cookout. So since you since you're at the cookout, let's have a cookout conversation, brother. And, and can you understand uh, why some folks uh, uh, of a certain hue might be a little cynical when we, saw, we already saw Steve Wilkes one and done right. a, couple, a few years ago. David Cully is mentioned as a one and done, knowing that he came into a situation that we right. all thought was impossible, knowing that he wasn't going to have Deshaun Watson, develops a young quarterback who was like a second or third round pick, right? And who's turn, right. Davis Mills. They like him. So help us out here because. Uh, it, they say uh, it, it's not you're not really paranoid if it's that if somebody really is after you <laughs> What the hell's going on here? What should what should black folks think? When these well, things are happening, do you understand what that, I'm saying? Now that Anthony Lynn out as a coordinator um, After being given what by Detroit, you know to work with I mean like the wide receiving core I mean there was you know injuries all these different things um, I think it even goes to the coordinator position, but yeah, I, I would Here's the one that really, I, it, the totality of it bothers me. And you asked me before, like, what's going to change or is it going to change? And I just don't know what the change agent is because the last change agent was let's let's give you prizes. And I never thought that was a good idea. I think it's you, it's a top-down change. It's a, I've always said ownership. Let's start to change how ownership looks in the building. And let's, you know, it's until that happens to me, until there's an actual um, minority face that's not Shad Khan, you know, um, in, in, and, and, you know, obviously the Ford family, you have, you have female ownership, obviously that's, that's, but I'm talking about someone that reflects the vast majority of the percentage that of players on the field, you know, okay, we're going to just, what are we gonna do another hundred years without, without, you know, having a, a, a representative at the table who reflects a, a different part of that locker room than, than that's already there. But look, that said, the one that bothers me a lot is David Cole. Okay. And to me, if Cully gets fired after one season, he was literally just hired to be a placeholder because he came in, everyone talked about the age, the fact that he hadn't had coordinating experience, hadn't had a head coaching experience, um, but we were sold on his ability to motivate, reach people, connect. Well, what did he do when he came in? I thought he did that. I was like, I, I think he did a pretty good job. Um, and then he even played Sunday, hard for him played hard for the vast majority of the season played hard for him. you know like they had they got thumped a couple of times here and there it definitely happened but I mean even playing the Titans I mean look they took they took the Titans all the way I'm like this is great this is good for him and and again when I when I spoke to the person in the organization where he said look I, I it feels like it's you know pretty good environment right now with him and but he just didn't want to make promises because he knows there could become a coach available that changes things but if he's fired to me, I'm just like, okay, well then David Cully was literally just hired to mine the store for, for a year. And then knowing like, Hey, it was never really a serious hiring. We we're never giving him a serious shot. He was going to be here for the teardown and the destruction of it. And it just, it's like, he's a nicer, um, Hugh Jackson, <laughs> you know, like he's like, he's like the guy who's like going to come in and see it get destroyed and rebuilt, but he's not going to come out the other side going, they destroyed it and rebuilt it. They basically killed my shot to win games here. Cully won't do that. But I mean, it's, it's that to me is just another, it's another new wrinkle that probably isn't getting enough attention. Now he hasn't been let go yet, but I think if he gets let go, people really should have that conversation about 
oh, now we're hiring a guy like David Culley literally with the intention of not keeping him because it's not like they thought, yeah. really, do they think they were, they were thinking they had a playoff team this year? We know that wasn't the case. Yeah. And, but then again, the alternative is for a guy like Cully, a career assistant, to say no to the job. So damn if you do, damn if you don't in some uh, but, but But Mike, the- but Mike, you can't. Hmm. Like, that's the thing, is that people, right. you, you can't, particularly, you know, someone of Cully's stature who's been in the league for so long, we're talking about decades, right. a person, even if someone turns to David Cully and says, hey, man, that that is probably well, we, only we, one. We talked top. about it last offseason that it wasn't yeah. a yeah, good job for him. It, it wasn't yeah, a good situation right. for him. But, but what you was he know supposed what? to do? Say no? Take your shot. Take your shot and hope that yeah. you can change something inside. So, yeah. Uh, we'll get you out on this, man. We'll get you out between the lines and on the field. Scariest wild card uh, in the AFC. Okay. Let me, I knew you were going to ask me this. I should have had this. Yeah. Up. Vegas, Vegas, New England, or Pittsburgh? I think it's Vegas because I, you know, they are playing. They had a point where they could have just fallen off the planet um, under Rich Bisaccia. Okay. The number of things from John Gruden to Henry Ruggs to, you know, you have a first round pick and you have to cut because he's waving a gun on his, you know, on a social media account. Um, uh, A bunch of losses. There've been injuries. And then they go into a game against uh, the chargers without Darren Waller. Okay. It's not like they were hung, you know, they were fully healthy. They didn't have a 52 man deck and, um, to fight the way that they fought um, and to win a game like that, where uh, it was just, it, it's one of those games where it's one of two things is going to happen. Either it just took so much out of you that you go into the playoffs and then there's like a letdown game, or you feel invigorated. Like we can beat the world. We just took this team to overtime in the last game of the year. We made, you know, we made this decision. Granted, there was a timeout. Where are we going to run it? We picked up the, whatever. It doesn't matter. You kicked the field goal and did the right thing, by the way, by NFL standards, to not let a divisional rival just sit and roll into the playoffs, right? Like I was like, good for you, not just letting a team in your division that's a rival um, roll into the playoffs with you. So I, I like, I like that the Raiders are going in on a high note and and feeling themselves right now. I'd be a little afraid to play them. Charles Robinson, we appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, we will see yes. you uh, next week. Uh, we'll see. What happened, man? It was already a, a wild Monday. A lot can change. Life comes at you fast. A week ago, well, they were coming off the loss to the Titans, but it wasn't that long ago. Brian Flores in the Coach of the Year conversation. Now he's coaching somewhere else. Um, crazy. Maybe. We'll see. He could be yeah, getting. I mean, he could, he could be. Get, he could be getting calls pretty quickly. So. I think. <laughs> I, I, honestly, Charles, I think it's. I think I could see a Deshaun Flores package deal somewhere I don't, else. I don't see that being a, you know, I do think that's a a definite possibility, especially now that the Dolphins have kind of clapped and been like, okay, I guess we're out on that for good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. We'll talk to you. Okay. Thanks, Jess. All right, Charles. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. 
They actually still sell them at Verizon stores. Apparently, a lot of old people still use them. Um, so, yeah, just in, um, I guess it was June or July, I went and um, I was, uh, you know, I had a bunch of school coming up the next semester at football. I was like, you know, I spend, you know, whatever, an hour on my smartphone a day doing what? Doing nothing nothing that's going to help me. I don't even remember what I just did. Um, so I was like, and I've thought about this before. I thought about it for years. Um, and I was like, well, I've got all this stuff to do, all this important stuff. Um, let's try not to let anything get in the way of that focus and just go get a flip phone. Um, you know, I still have a laptop and a tablet for email and, you know, anything important like that. Um, that I can use. Um, and I'll just use my cell phone for texting calls. And, you know, one pain in the butt is I got to like carry around a little notepad to write down stuff. Cause I use my notes app and my iPhone a lot back in the day, but um, you know, it was strictly just uh, to help me out um, with, with time management and, you know, wasting time. It's incredible how much we can learn from college kids. I, I, re- I listened to that at Media Day and I felt attacked. I was like, Stetson Bennett got his life right. Maybe I need to go back to the flip phone, which, you know, I'm one of these old people that he's talking about that still, that they still sell them for us. So I should go back to a flip phone, get rid of a smartphone, and maybe my life would be more in order. Meanwhile, <laughs> Alabama, Georgia, finally, I think five weeks after Alabama beat the brakes off of Georgia. The rematch set for tonight in Indianapolis. The college football playoff national title game. Kirby Smart will try to break through finally against Nick Saban. Dressed in her Georgia red, it's <laughs> our Maria Taylor. Uh, you, Maria, Stetson Bennett is your quarterback, as T.O. once famously said. He is your quarterback. Why, why do you believe that Stetson Bennett can deliver tonight against Alabama. I mean, I guess part of it is just the fact that he's been in a situation where he's played Alabama before. He's been in a situation where he's had to be brought off of a bench and have been prepared because JT Daniels couldn't play. And I think that he is one of those guys that doesn't really get rattled. Like, I know he didn't play his best game, but he's going to want to play a lot better. The pressure that we would normally see him have and maybe the game against Michigan and the Orange Bowl, he didn't see it because Stetson Bennett knows that the expectation is to make sure that he doesn't make mistakes and allow his defense to make plays and get the ball to all the playmakers that he has on the perimeter. So I'm telling myself that as of right now, guys, honestly, as I sit here in my letter jacket and and hope and pray that Georgia gets a victory tonight and wins a national championship while I'm here to see it. All right, so so Maria, the last time we talked to you, I remember you had a lot of confidence. You said you're going to be at the game. You're excited. Mm-hmm. And I said, Maria, you sound like me before Ohio State played Michigan, and we know how that turned out, okay? Ohio State <laughs> couldn't pull that one out. Tell me why tonight will be different, because I want to believe it. I'm rooting for Georgia. I, I'm tired of the Alabama, uh, the, the Alabama hold on our January's on our, our second January second Mondays in January. I'm so tired of it. So I want Georgia to take them down. But tell me why it's going to happen. Okay. 
this is why it's going to happen. Because the Braves won the World Series this year, and so did the Texas <laughs> off of the time. entire state of Georgia. Okay, like I know that titles can be brought back to this right. state, and so it's going to happen. And it couldn't be the SEC championship, but that's okay. But it's going to be a national championship now. So that I can't give you any other reason other than that because I haven't seen it done since 2007 when I was in school when I was wearing this letter jacket. So it's been a while. <laughs> But How you know, you, look, uh, hey, with... I, I, it oh, could happen, though, no, Mike. Like, look, I'm saying, look, Georgia, they played a. This is, this is the argument I might make for them. You tell me if this is BS. Both of you tell me if this is crazy. Okay. Georgia, everybody looked at them and said, consensus, that this is the number one team. They're the number one team in the, in the nation. They should be the number one team. They played a bad half, a really bad half uh, in the SEC championship game, and Alabama took it to them. But why can't why can't they get back to being the Georgia team uh, that we saw earlier in the season? Why not? Hey, everybody can play. Alabama lost the game. Alabama played a bad game. Lots of great teams played bad games, and it's not like they lack talent. It's not like they lack ability to compete with Alabama. So why not? You know, I think that you're, a good point that you're making is the fact that the defense didn't play well. No one scoring 41 points on Georgia again. I don't believe that, especially after they've seen their offense before. I don't know that Bryce Young will be able to throw for over 400 yards again against this Georgia defense. Or, And that just might be a gut check type of situation where you know you're supposed to be the best defense in the nation. And this is the offense that tore us up. So I do think that that could be a difference, especially after having seen them once, that you might give a little bit more of an advantage to the defense. How are you uh, experiencing the game, Maria? So you're in Indy, you sidelining this thing, you're in the suite, <laughs> like, you know, you got you, you got the VIP right. treatment because we live in vicariously through the, you. We go watch it on TV. I'm going to do the field suite. I'm going to go to a little presidential party beforehand, you know, check out some of my former dogs. I think DeAndre Swift, Nick Chubb, some of the other guys are going to come through. So we're going to all sit, enjoy, and hopefully celebrate together at some point. But I have literally guys not been able to attend a game that I wasn't working to just enjoy it until this one. So uh, trust me, I'm gonna well, have a good time. Well, and, but because Mar because you're Maria Taylor, there's still going to be some feelings of work because you're going to get pulled like yeah. a million different yes. directions. So you're going to be in a totally <laughs> relaxed. But having said all that, this is the last thing I got for you, Maria. We'll let you go uh, have some fun and enjoy it. You are much younger than both me and Michael. So you have mm -hmm. never experienced a football national championship for the Georgia Bulldogs. What would tonight mean to you and people of your generation that have only heard about Herschel Walker in 1980 and never actually experienced a national title for the Bulldogs? I'm not even kidding. I watched, they do like these hype videos and there was one post on Instagram on Georgia football and I turned to my sister, she's here with me and I was like, I'm going to cry if they win. Like I'm going to be in full <laughs> tears. It's not going to be like one single tear. It's going to be like, I might lose an eyelash tear. Because Makeup just ruined. It's just something like, just like, you, like you just, you know, just flooded <laughs> because like you said, some people don't get to really see it, you know, in their generation or their lifetime. It, it, every single time that you make it to a national championship, it should be something that is celebrated. And I know for Georgia, it's like getting the monkey off your back. And I'm just thankful that we're in the conversation, you know, every single year. But if you, I was actually able to be here, watch it, take part in it. Like I did their media training to start the season. Like, I feel like I really know these guys. I love Kirby Smart. I'm oh, great you should get a ring. the chaplain. 
I please believe it but, you know like, I'm invested I'm invested so much I will be crying so just know that that's how much it would mean to me all right well, well that's awesome. good well, hey, that's, we're gonna be celebrating yeah. with you we're gonna celebrate yeah. I, I'm, I'm rooting for George I really want to see yeah this, I don't have a dog in the fight uh, but I'm rooting for all things Maria Taylor so we appreciate no you all right, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Yes, yes, absolutely. All right, have a good time. Bye, guys. Um, Michael, I want to uh, want to continue the conversation uh, about the rematch. First of all, um, I'm excited that the two best teams are clearly squaring off, and that's all you really want. You just want you want to see the two that's best right. teams. Um, right. However, I am uh, preparing myself. Um, I'm lowering my expectations because I think once they take the field, I think it'll be clear that while we have the two best teams, when these two teams face off, there is a separation. And I think Alabama will once again expose that separation. I think this is going to be a game. I know you're rooting for, for Georgia. I know you clearly have a dog in this fight because yeah, you're sick of Bama, I and I have, I have a theory as to why. But anyway, tell me why I feel like I'll tell you that. In a, I'll get back to that in a second, but I feel like the, okay. my prediction right. for this game. First of all, it's a joke that Bama's a two and a half three point underdog, whatever it is. You know, I don't follow these things. When I saw Bama underdog, I was offended. I was offended on behalf of the University of Alabama Tuscaloosa because yeah, how are you an underdog after you just embarrassed Georgia? in the conference title right. game. And I think this game is going to be a continuation of that. I think this is going to be a game where classic game of the final score is not indicative of how close the game was, or in this case, wasn't. I think Alabama will control this game from this, from jump and Georgia will make it cosmetically closer, but won't actually be in yeah. this game because I don't believe that Georgia will have an answer for Bryce Young. They didn't pressure him at all the last time they met. And even under pressure, the dude is cool and poised beyond his years. They Nick Saban has most of his assistance number for the most part. I mean, this is the first yeah, year. Absolutely. When Jim when Jimbo Fisher yes. beat him at AM, this is the first year an assistant ever beat uh Nick Saban. I don't think it happens twice in one year. So Kirby Smart's gonna have well, to wait to break through against Nick Saban's Alabama Crimson Tide. And on the other end, I don't I don't trust Stetson Bennett like that. I trust his taste in phones. I trust his life philosophy. Great walk on story, but I don't trust Stetson Bennett to keep up with Alabama's offense. So I'm going with Alabama. I, I and love you can get you. So and to answer your question, hey, why do, why do I think you are rooting against Bama? Well, I, I don't think you want to have to come here tomorrow and explain once again why Nick Saban is overrated because he's coaching college and not the pros. Never said that. Never <laughs> you know what? You know what? Yeah. I know you know. I know. I know. I know. I, you I know. ain't used that yeah, word, yeah. but it's what I you know. implied. I know. It was strongly nope. implied. Nope. Who would imply nope. that I lack ability? It was strongly Nobody. implied <laughs> that he was hey, overrated because nope. he don't coach pros. Nope. Mm -mm. I said it's not an easy job being a college football coach. It's easier. Uh, mm -hmm. It's easier than being in the pros, but it's not an easy job. That's what I said. Uh, shout out to Nick Saban, a great job building that program. And, just, uh, and by the way, the program, uh, what it, the, the program continually has people who are ambassadors for it without even trying. 
like Jalen Waddle, uh, the season that he had, Devontae Smith, the season that he had, Mac Jones, the season uh, that he had, regular season. I mean, it's just on and on and on. Every time you look, say, who's this cat? Where'd he go to school? Alabama. Oh, there's another one. Uh, you know, uh, Diggs with the Cowboys, the season that he had and the season that he's having. So Alabama, I give them tons of credit for just continually just churning them out, churning them out. But I'm going to say this to you, Mike. I believe that the SEC, outside of Tuscaloosa, the SEC should be rooting for Georgia tonight. You know, it's, it sounds good. It sounds good that, hey, another SEC uh, champion, whether it's Georgia or Alabama, is good for the conference, but I don't think so. I think when you have somebody playing Alabama, it is good for the SEC to see uh, other teams to see Georgia go up against Alabama and knock them off. I ain't talking about LSU and Joe Burrow winning the national championship. They ain't play Alabama that night. I'm they talking that about year. Uh, but I'm saying in a national championship game, it is good for the conference for somebody to face off with Alabama. Look at them and say, okay, we see you. We know you are stacked with talent, but so are we right. and give our, somebody problem, else hope. <laughs> our problem is between you. No, it is it's like at Kirby smart. Like you, so you don't understand. You don't understand. I'll tell you why you don't understand. You're the oldest, bro. You're the oldest. Okay, mm. so you you all you know, I don't know what it's like to be little brother. Yeah, me. I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest mm. of three okay. and I know what it's like to go up against your big brother and think man, I, I'm just as good. But why do I keep taking these L's? But the day that you beat them. Oh, it's a breakthrough and I had that moment. I had that moment the day that I beat my brother. That's something. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I think that's what Kirby did you, Smart did you and continue, all these other assistants. Did you continue to beat him after that? Like, we said a breakthrough. Well, that's, well, that's what I'm about to well, say. Listen, because, but I because let's say no Georgia, but let's but say Georgia wins, wins tonight. Before. Let's say Georgia right. wins tonight. It ain't ding dong, the wish is dead. This will be, be a blip. This will be a blip. It's psycholo- not, okay. not a blip. No, this no. Ain't, this, this no, ain't no. Even, okay, you fine. Nick this ain't even. This ain't even if it bleeds, game? we can kill it. This ain't even if it bleeds, we can kill it. This is by all. Listen, Alabama. The only reason we are talking, the only reason people like me are talking like it's a foregone conclusion that Alabama is going to win tonight because Bama. Yeah. Because if you look at their body of work this year, other than a, a, an year, iconic always. drive, huh? I said, oh, no, you said this year and always. Well, no, 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 it's but this year, no, 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 this, this isn't, yeah. but that's why this team is so impressive because other than the, that, that, that legendary drive to end the Iron Bowl and mm-hmm. other than the way that they played against Georgia and then they beat Cincinnati and they were, they look, they look fine, relatively speaking you against Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Wasn't well, well Cincinnati yeah, but I mean, again, but I'm saying they look fine. They weren't, they, they weren't like overwhelming and they didn't have to be against Cincinnati right. on it. But my point is this is not a, a historic all-time great Alabama team like all oh, last year's. You know what I mean? But it's right. that's not how they right. play consistently this year. So if Georgia beats this Alabama team, all right, good luck beating them next year and the year after that and the year after that. They may get theirs now. It may just be their time. They may just be due. This may be the team that Georgia that. built that can win it, this but it's not going to topple Alabama off the mountaintop. Absolutely not. This is where Alabama will still be disagree. the class of college football. Even if even if Georgia so. wins this year. 
Because when Georgia, the last, the last, and I don't need to remind Georgia fans of the last time they came close. And that was, you know, to a tongue of Iloa to Devontae right. Smith. Okay, in yeah. overtime. That was a great Alabama team, too. And mm -hmm. it's not like Georgia couldn't compete. So it's not like if Georgia that wins that game, Georgia holds ago. on and wins that game. <laughs> okay, but there's only two. Ago. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying to you, Mike, is that it's not like this is a once in a generation of Georgia wins the national championship, then Alabama comes back and wins the next, you know, five of the next eight. I don't think it's going to happen yeah. that way. What I'm saying to you, you may disagree. I don't think it's a talent issue. I don't think Alabama has this talent that's far and above everybody else in the conference. On the contrary, if you look at the recruiting rankings here, Texas A&M, it has been crushing it. Texas A&M, the number coming. one class. No, Georgia, uh, Georgia does well. They, they, have a, they do have a talent gap. They do have a talent gap above pretty much everybody else in the conference, but the elite in the conference are closer than everybody else. Closer. Alabama still year in and year out dominates the recruiting trail, but I don't it's one of the reasons why it's one of the reasons why I'm not big on college football expansion because I think it'll be the, yeah. a, a remix of the same old song that is the same. Now world. I will as long as maybe I'll there, regret, it's Alabama's world. Maybe I'll regret saying this. I don't think the reason not, not this year. I don't think the reason uh, Alabama is the favorite or you think that they're the favorite uh, has anything to do with they've got twice as much talent as the opposition. I don't believe that. I don't think they have twice as much talent as Georgia. I think the talent is equal between I wouldn't Georgia say twice as much. and Alabama. Oh, well, I think no, it's equal. There's a, there's a there, well, okay, but there's a, there's a middle ground between twice as much and equal. And, and if you really want to hurt, you know, if you really want to uh, hurt the talented, feelings, especially on defense, you want to, you want to hurt the feelings of a Georgia Bulldogs fan, Start reciting some of the Georgia Bulldogs who are in the NFL, who have been in the NFL over the years, and oh, been on the whole same defense team. about like, to go to the league. Dang. Like, yo, no, listen, how did they can recruit how to many Athens? dudes on the same team? Hey, listen, they can recruit I to Athens, tonight, but they they is they build them different in, in, in Alabama. They just different. Tonight in is a break. On it's seat. a breakthrough night. It's a breakthrough. As a matter of fact, you know what this is? We didn't have you didn't have it earlier. We supposed to do this on uh, on Monday. This is an edition of Won't He Do It? That's happening tonight. Kirby Smart, praise bruh. him. Give him some praise, bro. Tomorrow, hey, okay, go ahead. Tomorrow we're gonna be talking about uh, what is it? Seven national titles in, in eight years, or whatever it is. Whatever, something not stupid. Not happening. And you're gonna have to invent some other reason to hate on Nick Saban. You have to come up with another hey. reason to talk about why his jet, why it's just easy what he's doing. Against the team As that you for say me my is is their equal. You say Georgia's the equal in terms of talent, As but but it's easy. Tomorrow is going to be easy because over oh, Nick Saban we gets rooting. all the talent. Of course he should win a national championship. He gets all the talent. We root for Georgia. But it's equal with Georgia. Okay. All right. All we right. the head and not the tail. Ah, <laughs> we're the conquerors. We're more than conquerors. Come on, Georgia. Thank you.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. It's a bad feeling, uh, completely bad feeling, uh, knowing that, you know, we were in control, being in control of our destiny uh, last two weeks, and we just couldn't get it done. And it, it's definitely got left a bad taste in my mouth, a lot of guys' mouth. Um, not where we want to be, not, you know, what we expected either. Um, you know, we expected to finish stronger than we did, and we didn't get it done. Um, it's a bad, bad, bad feeling. Today is cars. I mean, listen, as shocking as uh, today's developments uh, down in Miami were, I would say the shocker from Sunday was the Colts choking away the shot at the playoffs and opening the door for the fun Sunday night by losing. <laughs> Maybe it shouldn't be that shocking. I mean, they all, that's what they do. They lose in Jacksonville. Uh, they lost seven straight in Jacksonville. The rest of the league goes on vacation when they play Jacksonville in Jacksonville. The Colts can't seem to win in Jacksonville. And uh, let's welcome in friend of the show and, and former NFL cornerback Darius Butler. Coles to the man-to-man pod and also Coles of everything, or of founder, excuse me, a creator of everything DB. You see the nice hat he got on. Uh, yes, Darius, Listen, a lot of people were shocked by what happened yesterday. I get the sense you weren't because you were going after Carson <laughs> Wentz. You were coming for Carson Wentz after the Raiders loss. So what did you see yesterday that tells you that the Colts have a lot of uh, internal evaluation to do this offseason? Yeah, you know what? I wasn't, uh, I wouldn't say I was going after him, but I just wanted to remain, I guess, honest with my evaluation with Carson Wentz. Obviously, you know, me, I root for the Colts. I wanted him to do great. Wanted him to come over and get that fresh start with Frank. But watching, even when they were winning, even when he wasn't turning over the ball, just watching the game tape, um, it just it, it wasn't good. As a defensive player, as a defensive play caller, you know, at this point in the season, you don't fear a quarterback that's going into multiple games, going into the second quarter with you know four and five completions, thing like that. Obviously, Earl Ryan, twenty-eight, Jonathan Taylor, he had a tremendous year, but uh, Carson just didn't get it done. Didn't get it done down the stretch, and the whole team. The whole team really, really flopped, honestly, and laid down these last two weeks. You know, coming off that emotional win in Arizona, they laid they laid a couple eggs against the Raiders and then down to Jacksonville. Like you said, we we historically struggled down there for the last few years at least. And I don't know what it is about it, man. It's kind of like when the Patriots go down to Miami, something funky happens oh. most of the time. And uh, Jacksonville... Yeah. With the clowns in the building, man, uh, we it, it, it was a sickening, <laughs> it was a sickening loss, man. It was, it was a bad, bad, bad thing to watch. It was, man. You know like, I mean, it, it was yeah, on, on so ahead, many levels, right. on so many levels. I mean, it was problematic. I mean, as I mentioned, everybody else in the NFL is thirty-five and fifteen when playing the Jags in Jacksonville <laughs> or London. All right, Colts are zero and seven, uh, their last seven trips down there. I mean, there was so there were fifteen and a half point favorites for whatever that's worth. Come on. I mean, Come the Jaguars on. had just gotten the Briggs beat off from by the Patriots. The Colts had Jonathan Taylor. You know, every everything was suggesting that hey, this this should this should be not easy because it's pro football, Darius. You know better than we do, but you just expected more. Man, that should have been easy, side. man. That should have well, been easy. But, uh, the but Patriots I'm, just put I'm, 50 I'm surprised on these to hear you dudes. say that. But I'm I mean, surprised the Patriots, to hear you say it, that because. 
Now go ahead. Well, no, I was just gonna say because we covered you. We've talked to you. What y'all have trained us to realize that everybody, the other team gets paid too, and it's the same Jacksonville team that beat Miami in London, that beat Buffalo, and both those wins, in spite of Urban Meyer, they got pride too. They got miles to feed. They're trying to put something on film. I'm surprised that you say it should have been easy when the truth of the rap, rap, the matter is we saw it all year. Darius, and, and no, if, if never before, especially this season, anybody could beat anybody, let alone the Jaguars over the Colts in Jacksonville. So, but you still say the Colts should have won that one. I mean, it, it should have been. They should have won. You should, they were favored by 15 and a half points. That was probably, I think, the biggest line maybe outside of the Buffalo Jets game uh, of the weekend. And the reason I said it should have been easy is because – the Colts had everything on the line. You know, you 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 yeah. obviously took an L at home against the Raiders, and now you're going on the road. Your destiny's in your own hand. All we have to do is beat a two-win rookie quarterback, interim head coach. <laughs> they have their bags packed, Airbnbs booked. They know where they're going <laughs> next week. Everything was on the table for the Colts, man. So that's why I went. I thought, okay, this will be easy. They'll win by ten, maybe fourteen points. But um, for and and it wasn't like a fluky loss. Like it was like a. Like they got dominated down. on both sides of the line of scrimmage from the first drive, uh, pretty much to the last. So uh, it was very, very disappointing. Um, I don't know what it was. Uh, people were throwing a lot of excuses around, but in this business, you know, no excuses, no explanations. Uh, I, I'm, I'm shocked. And from the top down, uh, you know, everybody should be held accountable. Uh, Frank Wright, Chris Ballard, they just signed extensions early this year. But if they hadn't, you know, if they hadn't signed this extension, I think Frank for sure. It would be some long, hard conversations uh, when it came to that, and you know him being the head coach going forward. Well, you, you took me right where I wanted to go. Uh, let's just, for the sake of this conversation, we're in a three box. So give me the top three reasons, uh, the top three people you hold accountable for yesterday. Let's let's personalize it a little bit. Uh, is is it Wentz? Is it Frank? I mean, like, who do you like? One, two, three. Let's hear it. I mean, you got to go. You got to start with the head coach. You know, I, I can't, I, I skip past the owner. I skip past the GM for this reason. You got seven pro bowlers, you know, so you, you, you put together a roster and then you went out on Christmas day and beat another playoff team with your backups pretty much. So I skip past those guys. I got to put it on Frank, Wright, Not having his guys ready um, to go out there and play. And then you go to the quarterback, you know, when, when guys, when things aren't going right, you have to be able to elevate your team and, and, and drag them to the finish line. If you have to, with everything that was on the line and Carson Wentz obviously didn't do that. And then, um, I mean, it's it, it, the all of the other five-star players, you know, Darius Leonard, Kenny Moore, Quentin Nelson, Jonathan Taylor, like all of those guys, nobody on the outside credit uh, separation. So I would just say collectively those five-star players, as B.A. used to call them, Coach Arians, hey, this is a game where our five-star players need to set the tone, show up, and take us home. And uh, those guys didn't show up. Meanwhile, um probably the most surprising development and, and, you know, you, you try not to be surprised in the NFL as you know, Darius. I mean, you yeah. know, life comes at you fast, but seeing Brian oh, Flores yeah. uh, get sent packing, you know, for whatever reason, I guess I was just more, I was surprised when it first happened. I'm like, all right, you know, Stephen Ross got his Michigan guy ready to rock and roll. He just has a, an affection and a, an admiration for Jim Harbaugh. Nothing you could do about it, but for it to come down to apparent an apparent rift between head coach and GM after two 500 seasons, that feels like the type of thing that y'all got to work out because something's going right for you to have back-to-back winning seasons. Is there another level for y'all to reach? Sure, 
but it feels like y'all should be able to sort this thing out and, and they have the up-and-coming coach go just feels like a step backward for the Dolphins. You're a player in the, Dolph in the Dolphins locker room right now. You got back-to-back -back winning seasons. You turned it around after a one and seven start. What are you thinking right now if with Brian Flores is fired? I mean, I'm sick right now because obviously that that, that locker room had to come together. Um, you know, you you lose seven. They won the first game out of the gate and you lose seven in a row. Like that's the sick feeling uh, in the locker room to lose like two months straight. Every day you're coming to that building, you're dealing with a loss and that weight is heavy um, in that building. But um, for them to turn it around and go eight and one, uh, down the stretch, finishing it off with, I'm, I'm sure, an emotional win against the Patriots. Uh, I'm sick. I'm sick in that building, especially when you know it came down to the general manager and the head coach really not being able to figure out their tension. I've been in that situation. I, you know, we had a situation with, with Chuck and, and Grixon, and they couldn't figure things out. And there's a lot of egos in this business. It's a lot of, you know, type A personalities that people got to get on the same page and, and make it work. But Chris Greer, he's been a part of the Dolphins organization for over 20 years. Uh, you know, B-Flow, this was his third year, you know, three years, no playoff appearances, pretty much a 500 record. But I think they were trending in the right direction. And it, it's hard to get that group of, of men to buy into the head coach and to the leader. And it felt like he had that going. So if I'm in that position where I have to make a decision between the two, and we know how it is in this business, in any business, it's about relationships. And obviously you got a relationship yeah. with one guy for over two decades and then another guy, you know, for uh, not even a handful of years. You're probably going to go with that guy. So uh, that's how it went. Unfortunately, that's how it goes in this business. Uh, but as a player, as a fan, <laughs> I'm sick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're sick that they couldn't figure it out because I would say, yeah, relationships matter, but wh where's my organization? Is my organization going in the right direction? And if it is, you try to have those employees sort out their differences and say, hey, it's something bigger than both of you guys. But anyway. Uh, we're talking about coaching and, and some of the changes that have been made in the league. I know you were drafted. I think the year after Gerard Mayo was drafted with the Patriots. You spent some time with him. Are you yep. surprised at all uh, to hear his name mentioned floated as a head coaching candidate and, and to tag on to that just to speculate what kind of uh, coach do you think Gerard Mayo would be? I think he'd be a great coach, and I'm not surprised at all. I actually uh, just retweeted something. It may have been two days ago from uh, Tom Curran up there. I remember being a beat writer uh, for the Patriots when I was there, and he wrote uh, something about uh, Mayo. And I retweeted and said, hey, this guy be a head coach soon. And then I saw the report come out today that I believe the Broncos asked for permission to speak to him. Uh, just a, just a, a leader of men. And uh, I, remember early, I remember the fourth and two game, which is my rookie year, after that game, uh, Teddy Bruschi, who was in the locker room earlier that year during training camp, then retired, then went in the media. He kind of came after the coach. He came after the team and things like that. And Mayo, even as a second-year player, stood up, defending everybody, even going at a legend like Teddy Bruschi. So uh, he's been a leader uh, from day one, and he's been behind the scenes. You know, it's a lot of ambiguous titles over there in New England, with, and they don't let you know who's really pulling what strings. But Mayo's been a huge a uh, huge part of our preparation when it goes in every game. He knows how to manage guys. And once again, he, he will have from day one the respect of a locker room. Um, he's that type of guy. Not really, you know, doesn't ride a bunch of ebbs and flows. He's a steady, constant guy. So I think he'll be a great uh, a great hire, young guy who can, who can have guys going. All right, man, on the way out, listen, um, forget the favors, forget the Packers or the Bucks you know, or the Chiefs or even the Titans and your man Mike Vrabel. Forget them, man. Who's that team, you know, that that maybe 
squeaked in like the Raiders did last night or the Niners or uh -huh. Steelers or, or who's that wild card team in either conference that you got your eye on either conference. You can pick the Niners if you want, but give me a team that's that, like that's exactly, that really going that's exactly. the Niners. Yep. That's the one right yeah. there. And and it's it's kind of because of how the bracket set up. And at this point, the season zero zero. Um, it's a tournament. And um, you just gotta you just gotta be better for three hours. You gotta be better for one game. And the Niners, the way they're built, they're physical, they can run the ball. Um, Jimmy G takes care of the ball for the most part, and they play a physical brand of defense. And uh, what the Cowboys do best is get after the passer and turn teams over. And uh, with San Fran, you set that tone and you're running, you're running downhill at those pass rushers. Uh, that's a recipe for success, especially if you're taking care of that football. And then uh, and then if they win that game, most likely they go up to Lambeau. And we know how that how that matchup looked a couple of years ago in Lambeau with how those team match up. So uh, I think the road is set, kind of laid out there for the uh, 49ers to go after it. And on the AFC side, the Bengals, man. The Bengals show this quarterback Burrow. He's a gangster, man. He, he's a he, he, he's he's the truth, and uh, he's accurate. Oh, the only thing See, about it, oh come on, man. We got a little <laughs> thing about it, he, going he take on a little show. he take a little too many sacks for me. But outside of yeah. that, he's dynamic. Yeah. Joe Mixon is great behind him, and his his plethora of weapons at the wide receiver positions, man. They can line up and beat anybody, as you just saw when they beat the Chiefs uh, a couple weeks ago. No there doubt. Is, All right, like, there is, brother. Like we Mike appreciate Smith, you. I appreciate hold on, you. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Darius, I'm going to let you know, Darius. Mike Smith is going to take your last comment. He, he's probably going to put it on his resume. You, you can look on LinkedIn. <laughs> no. On LinkedIn. You're the only he's only out there. Because he, we've been going back and forth about the Bengals. I, you know, it's a long story, but you just made his case for him. So he's like, oh, whatever. Keep talking, hey, no, The Bengals made Keep my talking. case. I, hey, I've been try, I, I, hey, DB, I tried to told him, okay, like preseason, <laughs> early in the season. He ain't want to listen, not in the playoffs, but the Raiders, the Raiders scary. Wouldn't shock me if the Raiders Facts. knocked him out and I'm, I got to listen to Michael remind me in 1990. Yeah, he got a scary pass for us over there. No doubt. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Appreciate y'all, man. Thank you. This will be a 24-yard attempt, and he's got it down. A low snap there by Tabor Pepper, but Juice does everything. And the 49ers get more excited for that. Robbie Gold makes the field goal, <laughs> and the 49ers have the lead now. Stafford back on first down, throws a deep one down the right sideline for Odell Beckham Jr. Intercepted by Ambry Thomas. Ambry Thomas takes it away. The 49ers are going to win the game in L.A. Our guys are real resilient. Now I've been, I've been very proud of them, and I'm just glad that we get to go into the tournament and be a part of it. Because regardless of what happened today, I was going to be very proud of those guys. And you know, our goal every year is to get in the tournament, so you got a chance at the ultimate one. And um, you know, our guys, I think it's real hard when you know you have a season where you lose four in a row. Um, you know, most places um, when you lose four in a row, guys, it's tough to keep guys together. And just the the character in our building and the players and just everyone around it's it makes it easy and you can just focus on your job and keep fighting and that's what our guys have done all year they've just kept fighting not worried about anything else and um, in the meantime i think we've gotten better each time doing that and we've been able to overcome some injuries too teats and watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever what's that mean it means never cutting corners ever it means cooking not processing it means our virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection then twice baked to layer the flavors it takes more time but you can taste the difference 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Mm. Yo, man, you remember man. when that guy, man. Jimmy Garoppolo, was the weakest link? You yes. remember when Jimmy Garoppolo was the reason that the Niners couldn't get back to the Super Bowl, even though he took them there. They were a quarterback away, at least for the long term, if not the short term. Hell, you remember when Jimmy Garoppolo's Ooh. salary was too cumbersome for them to carry into the regular season after they had traded up for Trey Lance? Let me ask a question. Let me ask you yeah. a question. Yeah. It's a little bit. Of, it's a little bit of a trick question. Mm-hmm. You said remember that. I do remember. Who was saying that? Who was saying that? That Jimmy Garoppolo people that, that they were quarterback like away people like just like people like, they they no no they, no they were the saying 49ers no they, they were saying oh no oh, the 49ers yeah, yeah, were saying yeah absolutely right. a, and, and I, their actions see, that's the funny yeah, thing their, their actions, okay yeah. so yeah so what's like spoke hey yes. you know I, i'm glad that kyle shanahan didn't say you know people outside this organization had a lot of doubts about you know our personnel no y'all did yeah <laughs> that's why you moved up in the draft to select Trey Lance. Does that I'm look like so a mistake happy. in hindsight? Especially, especially if the Niners do turn out to be as dangerous as people believe they can be. They say <laughs> that they're the team, the proverbial right. team, say, lot, that nobody wants to play. A lot of people say it, though. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, a lot so of say it, if Jimmy G goes on a run, gets them back to the Super Bowl, I'm happy. I mean, is, this, is, this, are you, is this a mistake? Yeah, I am too. Is this a mistake in hindsight? If, if they get if they get to the Super Bowl, yeah, yeah, because it, what wasn't that the argument? What uh, I thought you were gonna say, he, what I thought you were gonna say, because you said ahead. that they should take Kyle Pitts. You wanted to take the best player in the draft at uh, yeah when they traded up. You wanted to yeah. you didn't even want to take yeah. the quarterback. I remember that. And you were like, Michael, you don't trade up that end. high to get it. Yeah, you trade no. up for a quarterback. Yeah. Forget about need. Need's got nothing to do with it, man. You put you put as many as many dogs as you can on the field. I'm really excited for this national championship tonight, by the way. You put as many dogs as you can on the field and see what happens. You put a bunch of alphas out there. And speaking of that, I, I look, I just want to say this. I'm glad we're showing this. Keep showing this, keep showing this video. Because Michael Debo Smith. Samuel? When you work, when you work in the NFL, when you get your job as a general manager. And you hire me as a consultant because I, you know, I don't want to work. Mm-hmm. I just want to be a consultant. I don't want, I want the money. Yeah. I just don't want the and responsibility. I'll pick and choose when to right. consult you. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you hire me as a consultant. You're going to bring me in. I already got my first uh, uh, talk figured out. You're going to bring me in. I'm going to talk to your scouts. I'm going to be like, look, I've known this man for a long time, Michael Smith, and I know what he wants in a football player. I'm going to say, hey, hey, somebody dim the lights. Let's put the tape on. Let's put the tape on. And we're going to show the San Francisco 49ers receivers. This is who you're looking to draft. These are the kind of receivers we need in this organization. These guys can separate. They got good hands. And you know what they do? Put the tape back on. Put it back on. Debo, Sam- Debo, Debo Samuel, Samuel is, as fun, is as fun to watch as any player in oh the NFL Oh, my goodness. Right oh, like, my goodness. I, I'm my, happy that they made the playoffs guys, just so I could watch him. And I for damn sure <laughs> wouldn't want to have to line up 
and try to stop this dude with the ball in his hands. First of all, Kyle Shanahan just frustrates people as a play caller. We know that. But when you can get a ball to Debo Samuel or Eli Mitchell for that matter, they're just so creative and, and they just they they are so exciting. And they don't feel like a wild card team by any means. I mean, we, that, that's the whole point of it that they felt like they had a Super Bowl roster. Look at this. And it's dude. showing. They're doing, and they're and they running through the Rams without Trent Williams. For most people's money, the best tackle in football this year. So, no, I mean, the hype is real with San Francisco. I'll answer my own question and say, I don't think it was a mistake because Trey Lance still has an opportunity to be the truth. Trey can be the truth. Jimmy Garoppolo is plenty good enough to get a team to the playoffs. He's good enough to get a team to the Super Bowl. But is he truly dynamic? I don't think even after the gutsy performance he put forth yesterday, you would call him dynamic. No, he didn't have to be. But if if Trey Lance is that guy and it's too soon to say that he's not that guy. It's st- it still was the right move and maybe they just it turns out that they just had the luxury of trading up for a guy and effectively redshirting him while their veteran guy played out the rest of his contract. I think next year he, he's like $1.4 million in dead money next year. They could make it a competition and, it, and, and if Trey Lance wins it, Jimmy Garoppolo can get cut. No harm, no foul. You know what I mean? If not, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and keep the job until Trey Lance is ready. Maybe well, Trey Lance. Maybe it's. I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo is Drew Brees, but maybe it's Drew Brees and Philip Rivers. Maybe it's a situation where it's like, oh, wait a second. We thought we needed a quarterback, but actually we got one. Maybe yeah. Garoppolo's got not just this year, but next year while Trey Lance sits for two years. It ain't you like know, he can't use the seasoning. And, and you know what? I kind of want to reject that that premise a little bit. Not, not yours. I mean, this whole thought. It's really San Francisco's again. San Francisco's fortunate that Jimmy Garoppolo is there this year too, because Trey Lance, you're right. Trey Lance could be, he might turn out to be a great quarterback and he might turn out to be a hall of famer, but this year up and down had some injuries, didn't play uh, last year in college. Uh, so it, it's been a long time since he's played football regularly. And so they needed somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo to get them to this point. But I, I think I'm going to reject the, 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 the prevalent uh, GM logic that Hey, get yourself a quarterback and it's all good. Yes, it's the most important position in football and there are more vacancies than there are really exceptional quarterbacks. However, I mean, look at some of the guys that we've talked about. The MVP of the league, possibly Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl title. Brett Favre, I believe, has one Super Bowl title. Uh, Well, no, a great great quarterback doesn't guarantee a Super Bowl. It's no guarantee. And but it my puts you point in the is, mix every year. Jimmy Garoppolo was in the mix. He was in the mix. He was in the mix. He was in the game. They had a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter. And I'm going to suggest to you that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo takes a lot of heat for a bad fourth quarter. What's well, not great. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan doesn't take enough heat for kind of mismanaging oh, yes, that situation. Yes, well, not enough. Yes, he does. Not enough. Because he got two because of those did, on his resume. Twice. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. exactly. exactly. Yo, yeah, he definitely, so, oh, yeah, he, definitely my, he definitely does. So my point is, my point is, yeah, it's great to have a quarterback, but I don't think the Niners needed to trade up. In the, I'm going to say it's a mistake then, okay? Uh, I don't think the Niners needed to do this to become a championship organization because they've, they've got what they need right now. Okay, okay, Mike, say it another way. Can, can San Francisco win the Super Bowl? They can, yes. Okay, but they, got they, they may, but they may, but they may be able to win the Super Bowl or Super Bowls uh, over the next decade with Trey Lance. But we'd be remiss if we didn't leave the show 
shouting out the Pittsburgh Steelers. It ain't curtains yet in Pittsburgh. And we gotta we gotta before we go, we gotta see Mike Tomlin getting yes. in on the IG live before we go. Cause that Come was probably now. probably the best video of the day. Although right. late last night into this morning, it was probably a little stressful. I'm sorry, stressful, stressful in, in Pittsburgh, thinking that he might have gotten left out. Uh, as a result of the tie, but Mike Tomlin getting in on the act and celebrating in the locker room. Pittsburgh's in the playoffs. Something feels right about that. Speaking of people we happy for, happy for Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger gets to play another week. You know, his home career is over. Uh, he won't play in front of his home fans again, but Ben Roethlisberger gets to play playoff football again. There's something right about that. Something right about the Pittsburgh Steelers being back in the playoffs. And God, I, I certainly didn't want to hear any conversations about Mike Tomlin you know, having a non-losing season but not being in the playoffs again. So happy for the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. They've withstood a lot this year. Uh, some of it's self-imposed, but a lot of talk about adversity. A lot of adversity they overcame as well. Yeah, you know, Mike, we talked about this um, pretty amazing organization if you really think about it. One of the news items over the weekend. I know you're interested in it, in it as somebody who loves team building. So the Steelers, we know they're all about consistency. There it is. There it is. Oh, <laughs> so they're all about consistency. You know, Tomlin keeps his streak going of no uh, losing seasons. Roethlisberger gets another game. Unfortunately for them, uh, Kevin Colbert, their GM, is going to step down after the oh, 22 yeah. draft. I mean, they yeah. just they just keep it. They're an inspiring organization, man. I, I don't think they really have what it takes to get to the Super Bowl. But I'm happy to see him enjoy this moment right here. And I'm glad hey, they didn't play for the tie. The Raiders and Chargers. Play to win, especially against your divisional opponent. It would have been fun if right, it would have well, been a tie. Sorry, that I ain't trying to really hook y'all up. No, but they, they played it the right way. And if it was still ended up in a tie, we'd have got everything we Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.